Mm-hmm. No pressure. <laughs> Need the uh, Jeopardy uh, uh, yeah. song. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. So please take a moment to share on your social media the Jeep Talk Show with all your friends and family and those stalkers that you know you have and you can't quite get rid of them. Uh, so let them know about it too because they're not going to bother you here on the, while they're listening to the show. In fact, they may decide to bother us instead, which is going to be a plus for you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let everybody know so we can help grow the show in uh, now our upcoming 11th year in podcasting. The JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road experience, uh, uh, an off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails, or that daily driver that is also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com and hint that's where we the show notes are as well. So you can read up the show notes that we often reference. This Jeep Talk right, That's where you guys are hiding. Okay. <laughs> uh, I blame the name of the website. If it was more along the lines of Jeep Talk Show, uh, now I've just confused people. I thought he just said Jeep Talk Show. Yeah, jeeptalkshow.com. <laughs> Hey, I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, there's another chapter to the stinky Jeep plant in Michigan that we're going to hear about. <laughs> we'll also hear about another six-figure Jeep that isn't from where you think it will be. I've got another news update to an ongoing story you won't want to miss, and I'm having some deja vu. If you ever wanted to know about more about your Jeep's fuel system, well, stay tuned. Well, howdy, it's Wendy, and don't forget to check out my newbie nuggets on our Friday episodes. You don't want to miss all the topics that I'm going to cover. I think there's a I think there's a, a marketing thing for stinky Jeeps, Josh. It just you know if we can do rat bastard toe tags, there's got to be something about stinky Jeeps, like Here we uh, go. <laughs> something something like one of those pine trees, but maybe in a different uh, different shape. Maybe the oh, uh, gosh. something like stinky cheese. So why not? Oh yeah, Limburger. <laughs> not how we're going to get more listeners, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. People Jeep people are kind of twisted. Hi, <laughs> Tony. And in between my, the smart-ass comments, I'll be yeah. interviewing Todd Bacon of OffRoad101.com. Learn how to drive your 4x4 right here in Texas. Uh, if you don't have a handgun, one will be assigned to you for the lesson. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. So, this whole Jeep plant fumes debacle just seems to be snowballing. Just when we thought that the problem was identified, a solution was being worked out, and a deadline was in place, and everything looked to be all wrapping up, well, residents living along the perimeter of the new Jeep assembly plant in Detroit have filed a civil rights complaint with the Environmental Protection Agency. In it, they are arguing that the state of Michigan discriminated against the low-income, mostly black neighborhood when it approved an emissions permit for the facility. The residents filing the suit argue that the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy failed to do its diligence by not conducting a cumulative impact analysis of the plant owned by Jeep's parent company, Stellantis NV, prior to approving its permit. The result, they say, is discrimination on the basis of race, color, and national origin in violation of federal law. The residents are demanding assistance for people wishing to leave the neighborhood, more money for home repairs, and are insisting on requirements that the EGLE conduct a cumulative impact analysis during the permitting process of any plant in the state. Now, according to a news release on the complaint, if the EGLE is found to have discriminated and cannot address the discrimination voluntarily, well, the EPA could move to terminate funds or refer the matter to the Justice Department for legal action. Hmm. Now, what they mean, what this might mean for Jeep is anyone's guess as the state could potentially take a second look at the tax allowances or incentives that were given to Jeep to open that plant there to begin with. This is a can of worms, people. No kidding. Man, this is not good. Uh, not good at all. When you start talking about tax rebates and or abatements, that's uh, that's not something you want to lose. I would not want to be the person in charge of uh, the stink at uh, Jeep. 
No, certainly not. And and uh, I'm sure that the, the PR uh, firm that's dealing with all of this is just scrambling to try and figure out how they're how they're going to uh, uh, paint this in a positive light. I mean, anytime you start getting into uh, civil rights and things like that, uh, filed lawsuits, man, this is going to get ugly. And I, I assume this is going to get dragged on for for quite a while. Uh, so don't expect a, a quick solution to this. Uh, or, or getting wrapped up anytime soon. This is probably going to go on for quite some time. So I have a quick question on that. Do you yeah, think please. the Jeep, the, the main Jeep company, but prior to Stellantis buying them, do you think they knew this was an issue? Or do you think Stellantis oh, just sort of got broadsided? Do you think they were sold was, to, to cover it up? Or to well, not sold to cover it up. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, did were they aware and it just sort of like, look, we're going to sell. Don't worry about it. Let's just let it go oh, and then let yeah. someone else have a problem. That's or do you think this has been an ongoing problem? We're just hearing about it. That's I mean, a good no, question. because this is, this, interesting. Is, this is not an ongoing problem. This is a new problem because this is a new plant. Uh, and even if this plant was there before, it's oh. been retooled. To, I see. To, okay. Uh, to work some different vehicles. So um, essentially, this is a new plant, at least new operating gear, uh, new machinery, uh, you know, new Got systems, it. you know, okay. all that sort of stuff. So um, whether or not some of it was in place while it was under FCA control or whether any of it was there to begin with, uh, and, and this is an entirely new facility from scratch, uh, I, I hadn't dug that deep yet. That that wasn't a question I was actually expecting anybody to ask. So, uh, great <laughs> question. Good job. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, that that's yeah, the kind of uh, good investigative investigative reporting that we need. So. <laughs> Now, as far as investigations go, uh, well, you're going to have to uh, start digging around to find enough money to buy this Jeep. It's the Rang Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392, and it was unveiled exactly one year ago as a V8-powered off-roader destined for the U.S. market. Now, if you're in the U.S., well, you can get one rather easily. But if you're anywhere else, well, emission regulations don't allow Jeep uh, to ship it, well, at least to the other side of the Atlantic. But the London-based Clive Sutton dealership has just started accepting orders in the UK. As you would expect, the Wrangler Rubicon 392 doesn't come cheap for the Brits, with an eye-watering price tag of over £105,000, just over $141,000. This what? is almost double... <sighs> The U.S. MSRP of nearly $75,000, which is a hefty price tag for any Wrangler, as it is. But for the sake of comparison, the regular Jeep Wrangler starts around 48,000 pounds, or roughly $65,000 in the U.K., with a fully spec Wrangler 1941 edition costing around 58,000 pounds, or roughly $78,000. Now, aside from a ridiculously high price tag, Another issue is that since Jeep is not officially importing this specific variant to the UK market, the vehicles will be left-hand drive. The dealership will handle all shipping and import arrangements while preparing the off-roader for the UK roads and offering a two-year or 30,000-mile warranty, which somehow explains the six-digit price. <laughs> Rubicon 392 is the most powerful variant of the Wrangler thanks to the 6.4-liter Hemi V8 that produces 470 horsepower and around 470 foot-pounds of torque. Now, despite its shape and size, it can accelerate from 0 to 60 miles per hour in 4.5 seconds and has a quarter-mile time of 13 seconds. Not too shabby. Besides being the quickest, it is also the most capable Wrangler coming out of the factory, fitted with 33-inch B of Goodrich all-terrain tires, and it rides 2 inches higher than the lesser models. Definitely a good spec Jeep, but at a six-figure price tag, even across the pond, it's mm -hmm. a little bit too steep. A little bit uh, too, too steep. Yeah, I agree. So this is ridiculous. Mm. Uh, there is no reason <laughs> for this, uh, the 392 Jeep, to be going to England. Now, I want, I want to uh, let you guys know, I'm, I'm looking at the stats here before I make this statement. Okay. They're on an island. You wouldn't be able to get the 392 out of second gear on, <laughs> on, a, on acceleration. It's, it's a little bit bigger than Hawaii. I, I'm so <laughs> well. I mean, but, there you go. Which, Not which Hawaii either. So, yeah. just to let you know, we've got uh, like a total of uh, 300 uh, people that listen to the show over the last uh, year and a half from uh, from England. So, I'm I'm not going out on too much of a limb here. I I, I sort of I was going to attack Canada, but Canada has lots of room for acceleration. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you are in the UK, you decide that you are importing a Jeep Wrangler, especially one of the 392 variant, I would love for you to call into the show and, uh, and just share with us your experience as to, as to how all that went, the acquisition, uh, uh, and, and really how much you had to pay for it. Uh, we, we'd like to hear uh, 
Here's some of those cringy numbers. And what did you tell your spouse you paid for it? <laughs> Got a whole nother job, whole nother family. <laughs> well, this is a news update that I have been uh, been itching to uh, to share with you guys. Unfortunately, it's not the update that I was uh, I was expecting. Oh, you son uh, of a bitch! I, <laughs> you know, as of the time you of just this keep recording, us on. I know it's a, he's just a big tease. <laughs> at, at the time of this recording, the week after Thanksgiving, the man who is currently due to take the award for the world's <laughs> longest test drive <laughs> is still wanted by the Sumter County Sheriff's Department. Forty-five-year-old Eugene Ned is wanted on the charges of breach of trust with fraudulent intent. Why might some of you who haven't gotten it ask? Wait, wait, what the hell did I write here? Hold on. Why <laughs> might some of that. you who haven't gotten it yet ask? Well, because on October 18th, Ned test drove a 2019 Jeep Wrangler uh, Cherokee, Jeep Grand Cherokee and never returned it. Or himself, rather, to back <laughs> what? So, yeah, he's got a Guinness Book of World Record award to accept and a shiny new pair of bracelets that the authorities would probably like to bestow upon him as well now obviously if you see ned and uh, we've got his pick up on the website please call 911 or reach out to the sumter county sheriff's department directly i thought you were going to say i thought you're going to say a sh- i thought you're going to say a shiny new pair of testicles <laughs> bracelets. But, bracelets but honestly where is he like did he just did he does he not even from that county does he live somewhere else in another state well we think he stole it he actually wasn't like josh said he was well no he was in an accident maybe he he slid off uh an embankment always off-road wheeling and uh he he was not discovered jeep either yeah that's what i'm saying saying. what i mean i somebody knows the man did he just come home and say look honey i bought a new jeep and she doesn't even question it i mean i don't understand i mean how hard is it for the police to give him a call i mean you know they've got his name and everything else they probably have his driver's license from the test and you drive, think right? That, you have that, to give that, that this kind of individual would have provided accurate information as far as his okay, contact no. information. If, All right, that's but I mean, true too. I'm I'm, sorry, but that's but, a, still. but that's assuming that theft was involved. It may be perfectly. You've made this point before, Josh, on prior episodes where maybe I'm something, maybe something legitimate out. had happened. You know, it's okay. possible. All right, I'll go there too. Something might have happened. I'm I, sorry, I mean, but ten thousand dollar. <laughs> uh, for information is ten thousand dollars i'm sorry so (laughs) yeah now i will say that uh in researching this and i and i have researched it every couple few weeks uh that ever since this show uh, or ever since this uh the story aired uh now i did find an obituary for a eugene ned it wasn't the same guy it was it was somebody about 40 (laughs) years older than than him and it was completely different person but nonetheless i got excited for a second that oh maybe i mean not that excited somebody died but that maybe my (laughs) prediction had come true that you know maybe he did have you know a heart attack while driving or something like that and that explains everything because honestly we're all we're looking for is an explanation here right yeah or, or maybe he has amnesia and he's just driving around and has no idea he I'm, stole the car. I'm just looking for something funny to say about it, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm going to ask, if this picture, is that truly him? Is that truly his yes. name? Is that really his age and height yes. and weight? I mean, he... <laughs> yes. That, no, that is, that is him. That is his specs. That is, that is from the Sumter okay. County Sheriff. Uh, that is the man they are looking for. So, yeah, there you go. If, if Eugene, if you're listening... Buddy, it's it's time to bring it back, man. It, it's well, it's and, You've, and you made your point. For our, for our listeners, what a great way to visit the show on JeepTalkShow.com. Look at this information. Get the information. Find this guy. There's a reward out. You can buy more Jeep parts. No, no, this is no, a win-win. Tammy, I'm sorry. I need. I'm Tammy. I need to. Mm-hmm. I, I need to rewrite that for you. Call into our voicemail. Give oh, us the call. information. <laughs> Let us. And do then it. we'll. We'll do that, and then we'll we'll, split it we'll send you parts. a twenty five dollars gift certificate from Amazon. Yeah, wait, and stickers, <laughs> stickers in the badge. No, no, they have to be a paid <laughs> subscriber to get stickers. Okay. I, I, I will. <laughs> I will say that uh, you know if you do decide to call in uh, with a tip because you did see or know Eugene Ned, just give us the uh, whole thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. make sure you give the Jeep Talk Show a little bit of credit at least. You know, say, yes. and, and I heard about this on the Jeep Talk Show. Jeep Talk Show, yes, please. I'm sure yes. it mean anything in the grand scope. <laughs> Be things, a paid but- subscriber at least, you rat bastards. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, including this one, be sure to let us know what you have to say. Special you can do it by phone <laughs> or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. 
Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got an interview with Todd Bacon, founder of Offroad 101, a 4x4 training school. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to the bacon uh, this, uh, this Saturday. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And we've got something for everybody at the 4x4radionetwork.com website. And it's okay if they don't drive Jeeps. It's not their fault. But we've got a little <laughs> something-something for them as well. The On the Trail podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast. Of course, the Jeep Talk Show is there. There's lots of great off-road shows. It's all for free. It's all in one place. Just go to 4x4radionetwork.com. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, we continue our multi-part series in the different fuel systems found in Jeeps. We started this? Did we start this? I had a week off. I don't remember what we yes, did before the before two the week. weeks ago. Do you remember, ta- uh, Wendy? Yeah, two you got weeks all that, ago. That's twice now. I was going to say we need to get a, a, a do a DBA to get her so I can reference her as Tammy or Wendy. That's fine. I'm not offended, and I'm sure Tammy isn't either. So we're good. <laughs> Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast. Been a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, advice, and learning. Oh, that's what you meant by yellow button. I was like, what the, where's the button? I was looking around for a button. It's in the promo. I just don't listen to it. Uh, but you should uh, become or a paid me, subscriber. <laughs> so first and last podcast. I listened to my first, first and last podcast today. Seemed like it was going to be a good podcast. Several different things, but I couldn't handle the cursing, the F-bomb being dropped, Josh, and then... I'm calling those who didn't do a paid subscription a Tony. rat bastard. Also, Josh, that's when Tony. I decided <laughs> this wasn't my type of podcast. This is how the legend of the rat bastard began. By I was wondering whose fault this was. <laughs> Tony's fault. So you can be become you can become part of the legend by becoming a rat bastard infectious agent. All you need is a bag of rats. Yeah, they they sell those things, and some rat bastard toe tags. You know, I'm thinking there's going to be a a, a nice uh, a nice uh, gift uh, Amazon gift card for anybody that puts a a dead rat actually on one of these toe tags. That would be no. Oh my be, gosh! And, and and if you live close to Wendy, this would be a great idea. <laughs> God. Mike no, Zen. No. Listen, I have no Mike. Do not, Mike. I'm going to just forget it. And you know what? I have enough of those damn rats, the real rat bastards in the barn with the horses. No. Tired of looking at those dead things. So, like I said, all you need is a bag of rats. Uh, you know, yeah. the plastic ones are okay. Plastic <laughs> is better, folks. Thank you very much. Some rat bastard toe tags. If you, if you like to infect random, unsuspecting Jeeps, just head over to JeepTalkShow.com and look in our store order your rat bastard toe tags today and start infecting jeeps yes just in time for christmas and right underneath the christmas tree perfect <laughs> well <laughs> hey you can hang it like so you can actually have yes, a rat bastard it's uh, ornament, ornament. Yeah. it's perfect as an ornament oh i want to see somebody's christmas tree with nothing but toe tags Paul. do not tempt me oh my gosh that'd be so cute Paul of toe tags <laughs> We need to get the toe smell on the toe tags. I think that's, that's the next thing we're going to work on. Smells like gym socks in here. <laughs> scratching, scratching sniff cards, Tony. Start working on them now. You guys remember the movie Ben? Uh, Michael yes. Jackson actually did the the song for that uh, yes. for that movie. Oh my god, that was it's about it's Ben is a movie about a rat, a special yeah. rat. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and it's that time of year we love so much. It's Christmas time. Unfortunately, there's no Santas in the mall here. But anyhow, I've got a lot of questions for Santa, so I wrote a letter to Santa. I want to read it for you. Dear Santa, you do a lot of amazing things, but I've got only one question for you. No, it's not how do you deliver all these gifts in one night, or how do you fit down a chimney? And how do you fit down a chimney if people don't have a chimney? 
And I'm not even going to ask, have you ever been mistaken for a home invader and shot at? And I'm not going to ask, how many cookies do you eat in a night? And if you're lactose intolerant, and, and if you are, how does that work out? Now, the question I want to ask you, Santa, is how big of a tire can I fit on my Jeep with a two-inch lift? You've got to know the answer to this one. And P.S., Santa, about that elf on the shelf you sent to spy on me? Yeah, I have no idea how he fell backwards on that knife 14 times. <laughs> Elves have been known to be very clumsy. But that's not why I'm calling. Of course not. I'm calling to tell you that I really hate insect puns. Yeah, they really bug me. Knew it. Oh, All right, boys and girls, yeah. I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. So, Josh, I got something for you. I know you like making little intros and stuff. Uh, do a very good job with that. Um, I would oh, like thanks. for something from the Nikki G segment that says, Nikki G, now brought to you by Reynolds Wrap Aluminum. Oh. <laughs> but that's not why I'm calling. <laughs> so you got to add that in there. Call their, not, that's not why I'm calling Highline yet. <laughs> yeah. 1-800, but that's not why I'm calling. So, do you know what? I didn't move over to the new board. I did not move the Tech Talk intro. Bad boy. So, I'm going to have to look that up and uh, get it on the board here for us real quick. So, bear with me. Mm-hmm. No pressure. <laughs> Need the uh, Jeopardy uh, uh, yeah. song. <laughs> you got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! And in the last Tech Talk, we started off a multi-part series on the different types of fuel systems found in Jeeps. We started it all off with the kind of system that you'd find in a YJ. Why the YJ? Because the YJs were the first Wrangler and they carried a little bit of the carburetor technology from the decades of Jeeps that came before them. So we covered what a carburetor or a carb is and a little bit of how they work. But since Jeeps are still on the trail, or since most Jeeps are on the trail, are fuel injected, well, that's the primary focus of this whole series. So the choice of the YJ Wrangler to start was good because it also has the first generation of Jeep fuel ejection in it as well, which paved the way for the future generations of Jeep fuel systems. So as the 95 model year YJ ceased production, we saw a new Jeep come to be, 1997 Jeep Wrangler TJ. Arguably one of the Jeeps that made the industry what it is today. Naturally, as this was the introduction of a whole new generation of Jeep Wranglers, the changes would be more than just a cosmetic makeover. For the TJ, the 4-liter engine size would return and a smaller 2.4-liter would, would be introduced. Despite the engines changing in their design, the fuel system would essentially remain the same. New, new fuel system still requires a fuel pump, just like the older systems. Even in the newest of Jeeps, there still has to be something that provides the pressure needed to supply the engine with gas. The TJ got a new throttle body and a new generation of MPI fuel system. Now, MPI stands for multi-point injection. The dry manifold system uses injectors at each intake valve, delivering consistently metered computer-controlled injections of fuel into each cylinder of the engine. These are all fed by a fuel rail. The job of the fuel rail is to ensure that all injectors have plenty of fuel at the same pressure at all times. Some of you may have heard of TBI fuel systems, which are just a different kind of fuel injection. TBI stands for throttle body injection, where there are typically only one or two larger injections on the throttle body itself, uh, injecting fuel into the air as it is drawn into the intake manifold where the fuel and air are mixed together before entering the cylinders. Now, Jeeps do not use this type of fuel injection, but I put it out there for the sake of education. Now, whether it's TBI or MPI, they are all EFI, or electronic fuel injection. The new fuel delivery system on the first years of the TJ were pretty good, especially compared to the cold-blooded and stall-prone years of the carburation in the YJ. That's not to say that it still wouldn't see some updates. The updates wouldn't be as radical this time compared to when the carburetor was replaced. Instead, the intake manifold, throttle body, and cam profile designs would all get subtle changes over the years to help the TJ's engine produce more power and operate smoother than the Renix days of the 4-liter. Now, EPA regulations came into play somewhat over the years as well, but those changes were seen more on the exhaust side rather than on the fuel side. The Jeep TJ is a relatively fuel-efficient Jeep, all things considered, coming in at a respectable 19 per mi uh, miles per gallon combined when it was new. 
Now, I got an email asking if I was going to get into vapor recovery and all that sort of weird stuff, and it may come up a little bit more in detail in future episodes, but I will likely touch on it a little bit in the next Tech Talk when we get into the current generation of Jeep fuel systems. Really cool. Uh, it's nothing I ever really thought about uh, and certainly didn't think about talking about it on the show, but I'm glad you did. Oh, yeah. Single me out again. That's, that's yeah, it is. It's a, it, well, it's a critical piece of the, of the Jeep. No, and- it is. I, I know this is dry information for a lot of people, but it's one of these things where it's one of those things I've just never covered. In 10 years of doing this show yeah. and all the tech that we've ever put out there, we've really never touched on fuel systems hardly at all, if, if, if at all. And so at least giving a 30,000-foot flyover of what these systems are, what they're composed of, how they work, and what they do, I figure is, is at least a, a, a good little bit of information that people can glean and, and, and get a little something out of, even if it doesn't directly apply to them or, or, or how they use their Jeep. Yeah, I, I actually like it, Tony. I know it's a little dry. It's sometimes hard to follow exactly what you're saying, Josh, but... I love the visuals, so you can see those in the jeeptalkshow.com uh, show notes for all those listeners who want to see it. Yeah. But it does help to make it clearer what you were talking about. It's like I can follow that visual and, and really understand what you were saying. So thank you, because I've actually enjoyed the segment. There's a lot of good reasons to go over to the jeeptalkshow.com website, and, and what Wendy just mentioned is a very good reason. So you can see the uh, the graphics or the visuals of what Josh mm-hmm. is talking about. It Certainly it helps. I mean... Uh, actually, the, looking at those uh, diagrams uh, and drawings is probably a lot easier to understand than actually looking at it on your Jeep. Mm, I would oh, agree. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you get a kind of a cutaway view. Uh, you mm-hmm. get sort of labeled uh, indicators as far as where in the, you know, the system these different you know, things are and, and sort of what they do and how they work. Getting a visual representation of the kind of stuff that I talk about, using a lot of technical terms and, and things like that, I know that a lot of this stuff is going to be over people's heads. And and there is a reason why I do that is because I, I don't want to dumb things down no. too much. Uh-uh. Uh, what that's going to do is it's going to create very long, over-explained segments. And I know there's going to be things and there's terminology and stuff that you, go, you guys don't quite understand. We've put together a glossary of terms that's out on our website somewhere. Um, and it will help you, uh, you know, identify some of the things that you may not understand when we're talking about a, a tech-heavy topic uh, that, that has a lot of, uh, of, you know, specific terminology in it. Uh, and so with that, you know, I, I know this isn't going to be, uh, you know, riveting podcast for, for everybody. Uh, we've only got maybe one or two more of these segments on, on fuel systems, so we're going to move on to something um, really cool after that. I, I'm working on a multi-part series and, and we're getting back into the uh, electrical and audio tips, Tony. We're going to get back into some oh, speaker selection here in the, in, oh, in the coming uh, Tech Talk stuff. So we're going to get into some audio stuff and have some fun here uh, in some upcoming episodes. Until then, if you have anything to add, maybe you have a question for Tech Talk, well, please just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Let us know what you have to say. You can listen to the Jeep Talk Show live. You never know what will happen or where the conversation will go. We can only hear you. Uh oh. So you're actually getting the best part of the show, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Uh, join us every Thursday night and be part of our virtual campfire. It's the Zoom People Fall. Oh, whoever the spokesperson was. <laughs> We're starting our own Zoom People podcast. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and know when and how you can join the conversation. Was it an accident or was it on purpose? From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Hi-de-ho, boys and girls. Uh, it's, uh, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking with uh, uh, Todd from Off-Roading 101. It's a small family business that believes in educating people about the abilities of off-road vehicle and how extremely capable they are right from the factory. Sounds like something we've been telling you guys. We could not find a single comprehensive source for the novice to start learning uh, what their stock vehicle is capable of, so we decided to start Off-Roading 101. Uh, as a way to bring people in, make them feel comfortable learning the basics. Our goal is to share the fun and the excitement that we have in our daily off-roading life and help build their confidence level. Uh, Todd began his off-roading adventure in 2007 when he purchased his first 2008 Jeep Wrangler Sport with no real off-road knowledge. 
Finding a good group of people that helped introduce him to wheeling, he learned through trial and error and then started teaching novice drivers how to use their vehicles. His vision is to introduce people into the off-roading community in a safe manner without the intimidation that comes with starting a new sport and feeling like an outsider. And I think that's a big key to it is just the feeling accepted and, 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 and that comfort of being able to ask questions, dumb questions, because everybody figures it's a dumb question since uh, you know, you're teaching it and they're trying to learn it. And the dumb questions are the best ones, I think. Oh, I agree 100%. Uh, and that's one of the things we push in the class. And, and I really do stress that the only dumb question is the one unasked. And I'll even go through when we do the class to have everybody do a quick introduction and tell us what level of experience they have so that everyone in the room can quickly identify with the fact that no one has any experience. So all the questions they have, somebody else is going to have the same one as well. Yeah, the, the, the dumb question is the one you don't ask that gets you killed. But I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm sure you haven't had any deaths related out there yet, have you? <laughs> I, we have not had one. Uh, we've had just a couple of scratched wheels and a bent license plate, and uh, that was about it. We, we practice safety out there first and foremost on everything we do. You know, we were going to have to rewind the uh, the conversation there if the answer was yes, because <laughs> You don't want to advertise anybody that's been out there and uh, had that much trouble. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to go off-roading, and it's very unusual for anybody to actually be injured or even a vehicle to be severely injured. I mean, scratches, yes. So uh, if, if that's one of the, the concerns that you have about your, your new vehicle, uh, really don't worry about it because – uh, you have like a, I'd say a 99.9% chance of going, when you got done, going, oh my God, I didn't realize that the Jeep could do that. And oh my God, I didn't realize I could do that. It's it's just so much fun to see a newbie's face. It is. And I'll tell you what, the number of people that we come through, the apprehension on their face when they come out <laughs> to the class. Yeah. And they're coming in there, had people come in with paper plates on their vehicle and they're going, I'm not sure I can do this. And by the time we end the class, for stock rigs, they have built up their trust and confidence in themselves and myself as a spotter that we have them drive over three SUVs at the end of the class and stop to get their picture taken. <laughs> so you go from somebody that's put their vehicle in four-wheel drive to actually driving over vehicles by the end of the class in a stock rig. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. So uh, you you mentioned uh, in the uh, the introduction introduction you did for me uh, was that uh, you said off road vehicles. Does that mean uh, other than Jeep, or do you go straight for a Jeep audi- only audience? Oh no, we go with whatever you have as long as it's a full size OHV. Doesn't matter. We've had Lexuses, we've had Toyotas, Ford, Dodge, Chevy. Um, the latest one was Ford Bronco coming through one of the wild tracks, and it, man, it actually performed very well in the class. Did uh, did it keep from bending the tie rod ends? It did keep from bending the tie rod ends. Uh, and he was very proud because we had a few jeeps that had to be rescued, and he got to see some recovery. So we did we do live recovery and. He managed to go through without anything. Well, you know, the recovery is a really, uh, I think, a really good thing to watch. I don't, uh, I wouldn't imagine anybody wants to, uh, wants to volunteer to be recovered, but uh, it's uh, it's nice to to be able to see that and realize that uh, again, you're probably going to be just fine. You're uh, you're going to be great. The the vehicle may get a, a scratch or a dent or a a broken mirror, but uh, it's it's amazing just how well these uh, these vehicles uh, handle stuff like that. Now, did uh, I think I saw on a video where it looked like you guys have a vehicle, and I may be wrong about this, but you guys have a vehicle that you that you literally uh, roll over so that you can show a recovery, a proper recovery. Is is that correct? That is accurate. We have two vehicles out there that we use. Uh, one for the one zero one class, uh, which is basically a truck down into a ditch with no recovery points on it. So the class has to come out, and I give them the basics. And then I turn it over to them as group think on how to recover. I'll answer questions, but I won't provide the answers, and I'll make sure that they're doing things safely. So it really encourages team participation where they actually just pull the thing up. And then in the second level class that we have, we do have what we call a soft recovery where there is a vehicle on its side, and they have to figure out how to use the tools they have at their disposal with everybody in the group to perform a safe and controlled recovery of the vehicle as well as 
make sure that the participants are safely protected from any potential damage that could happen due to unforeseen breakage. So it, it, you can't get this type of training anywhere else that I'm really aware of. Oh, I would think not. That is really, really nice. And I bet you it's a very interesting class to be in because you're not just uh, driving over things and listening to uh, uh, hard uh, words of wisdom. You're you're actually getting in there and uh, going through the process of uh, of how to do something, which I think is great. And I think it opens up the mind to be uh, for those uh, those uh, rules that you you're going to spout about. You know, you don't do this, you don't do this, or you do this, you do this. And once they see why, um, what can happen whenever you don't have those rules, I think it makes it a little easier to, to rem- remember them. It really does. And, you know, the, what we've done, too, with the classes here that sets me apart from a lot of the groups that do follow me classes and some of the other places that say, hey, we'll do a training class and it's just a follow me. But I've taken a lot of the years that I've had of experience and by trial and error and I've combined them into, it's like a 30-minute classroom section. And then we go out, and for the 101, we do 12 obstacles. And each obstacle, we get out, and I talk about the basics. What is a sway bar? What is a locker? Why is a locker good? Why is a locker bad? And then I show them, and then they do it. So it's we get a lot of outdoor classroom, but it's grouped, and you get to watch all the vehicles do it so that when you have a Ford or a Chevy or a Jeep or a lifted vehicle or a stock vehicle, you can see how each one of them does the same obstacle but reacts differently. And the really what I feel is a cool thing about it is we maximize or we max the drivers out to eight per class. So it's very, very uh, participant heavy. And once you see it, you understand it, you don't forget it. Right. Small classes, which I think we've uh, all heard about that for years and years about uh, public schools. Small classes were often very key to uh, learning for the uh, for the students, and I'm sure that's very much the case on this. So we didn't mention the the website at the at the intro like I, I like to do. So because I like to get people over there looking at uh, looking at stuff online while they're listening to the interview. Uh, this uh, you need to go to the, the website offroading101.com. I mean it's it's really simple offroading101.com. So go over there and start checking out, looking at the uh, the different classes. And you guys have a lot of different classes that you provide. I mean, all, uh, from like the beginner level on up. I, it is, and we're trying to expand upon that. And the whole idea, the whole premise behind this is to take somebody that's never been off-road and has a stock rig and be able to use it for what it's designed for so that by the end of the class, if they want a lift or they want tires, they understand why they want them, not just because they look cool. And this not only helps out the students because now they understand what they're looking for. Man, it really helps out the vendors because now they're coming in going, look, I need this type of lift. I don't want your puck lift or I don't need your really expensive. This is what I want because this is what I'm going to build my rig to do. And it really opens their eyes and it to me, makes the community a whole lot more better, the, the more informed that we are. Plus, when they decide that they want to go off-road with a group, they can take a look at what's happening and go, you know what, I'm comfortable doing this, or I'm not. And if I'm not, I know what kind of a spotter I want to look for, because that's part of the class as well. Educating the users, because uh, you know they're making the payments on these rigs, and they're the ones that uh, have the end call on what's going to happen. So we want to make sure that they're comfortable with whatever call they make. Right. So people that listen to the to our podcast regularly uh, know my position on, uh, well, I don't. I even hesitate to call them rock rails, but maybe basically rock rails with side steps that hang down anywhere from four to six inches. What's y'all's position on that? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say that I'm for or against them because it depends on the build that the person's trying to do. And what we do in the class is I, I actually call those out and show the advantages and the disadvantages of those types of steps versus the rock rails. So we actually put our, uh, in one of the obstacles, we'll actually drag a rock slider across a, uh, a rock that we have out there. And then I'll back it up and then I'll, I have steps that come down on my Jeep. I'll bring the steps down and then I show the exact same thing and show how now that the steps are now an obstacle themselves. Right. So 
if you're building something to just go do daily driving and maybe just do some light off-roading, they're fantastic, especially for us vertically challenged people, you know. For those of you that are going to go out and do hardcore stuff, you want to take a look and say, is that really what you need? And maybe the less of those types of steps are better. So the smooth rock rail would perform much better in what you're trying to do. Right. So I'm betting I'm close to what you were thinking. Yeah. Well, I, the way I always look at it is you never know whenever your uh, your fantastic Jeep vehicle is going to need to be called into service, uh, especially if you're on the Gulf Coast like I am. Uh, you could uh, find yourself in a situation that you need to go up and over things where you didn't ever anticipate going off road, but now you're on road needing that that clearance. And uh, I just uh, I understand if you can't get in the jeep or the whatever vehicle it is, it's not much of use to you. <laughs> but uh, for those of us that can get in there, I think that it's very important not to have not to put obstacles on your vehicle that keep you from uh, from being able to use it. And that's kind of my point. Uh, my, and the, the next gotcha question I have is, do you talk to them about the benefits of uh, proper wheel size, not going with something that looks fancy like a 20 or 22 inch wheel, but something that's uh, whatever the stock uh, is for the for that vehicle, uh, 18, uh, I'm sorry, 17 being for the, uh, the JL and the JT? We absolutely do. And this is where I really love the fact that we have different vehicles come through the obstacles because we have one spot in there where I will call out the build of the rig for that type of obstacle. And for one of them, I've got 17-inch rims with 35-inch tires. I pull up on there, and I air down very quickly with my tires the way I've got it set up, and they can see how it molds around. And then if I have somebody that's got the those tires that you're talking about, 20, 22-inch rims, I'll have them pull up, and we'll do the exact same thing. And then it's very visually uh, pleasing to be able to see that oh my gosh you know the more sidewall gives you better yeah. cushion you got a whole lot more protection on there versus the these rims they just don't offer that and as well as they're going to get scuffed up and damaged not look as good over time yeah it's, so, they yeah, understand why why you need more tire so you can actually you know get that more traction and uh, that's great yeah that's wonderful and that in it's those two things in itself have to be one of the greatest things that's going to keep people from even if they go and they buy those things, at least they'll be informed as to what the limitations are now. Absolutely, I agree 100%. It's it's amazing. I've even had people come through with the class uh, and had their rigs already pre-built, and they just bought them that way. And by the time that we got done with the class, they said, wow, I really like this type of off-roading right here. And I'm like, okay, you're not going to like those wheels. <laughs> and I remember one guy's response was, yeah, no, I'm going to like them, and I'm keeping them. It probably was three months later, and he actually had different rims with uh, rock rock protectors on there. Yeah. So actually, this going to your class might be a better thing to do than going out and modifying your Jeep or, or any vehicle that you're driving. Uh, but uh, modifying your Jeep, spending that money, and then going, oh, gee, I didn't realize that these things were not the best thing for off-road. So it might be if, if you're a new if you're new to jeeping, you don't know what you need to do. This sounds like to me it'd be not only an opportunity to learn how to off road your uh, vehicle, but also too if you're planning on making any modifications, how to do the the best modifications for taking it off road. And be careful because you may think you're never going off road, and then once you go to a class like this, just get hooked because it's it's so much fun to be able to look back and see what you did. Uh, and especially if somebody was taking video at the time. Yeah, Tony, I couldn't agree with you anymore on that one because one of the things that I I try to tell everybody out there, you know, hey, look, I got a new rig. What's the first upgrade that I need to do? And my response is a class. Yeah. Your rig capable as it is. Come out and find out what it can do. And I kind of like it to crawl, crawling up steps. You know, you're, you're, uh, your capability when you first start off is very low, but your rig's capability is a step higher than you. So you go out and you wheel and you start going on until you can't do something and you can't do something because you need maybe bigger tires. Well, now your level is now less than Jeep because you've just added bigger tires to it. So now you got to relearn it and you go until you can't do the next thing and you can't do it because, well, maybe I don't have a lift. So you put the lift on and now the Jeep's capability is more than your capability. So it, it keeps going for the entire time that you're building your rig. 
And our idea out there is to educate you as much as possible to know what questions to ask when you're starting to build. Because I've seen people go and put thirty, forty, even fifty thousand dollars into their rigs, and then they went out wheeling, and they've had to take half the stuff off and replace <laughs> it because it wasn't the right stuff. So right. all that money, time wasted at the beginning. Yeah, spending so, and take it, spend a little money taking a class to save a lot of money potentially uh, in, in the future. And I, I just want to point this out. Whenever I asked you about the, the, the steps hanging down, I'm not very diplomatic about that. I, I mean, I try to be nice, but I'm not very diplomatic about that. That, that to me, is a indicator that, that you, your uh, vehicle is not a serious off-road vehicle. You're not going to take that off-road. That's not its intention because you don't put things on there to hang up. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty pointed about that, but you didn't do that. And as an educator... What you want to do is keep that mind open. So I really like the way you said that you show the advantages and disadvantages and let them make up their own mind. And because somebody that you berate is not going to listen very well. (laughs) So uh, I can tell that you uh, that you uh, teach those classes in a very good way, a productive way. I I think so. Everybody that I've had take the class is given rave reviews. I don't think I've had anything less than a five, five out of five star review uh, with all of the students and they're, they're itching to come back and there's just so much to cover. It's just, it's just fun and I enjoy doing it and sharing that knowledge. Now, uh, where the, we haven't spoken about where the classes are. You're here in Texas with me, and I'm, I'm brain farting, uh, to be honest with you, exactly where you are. But I know you're close enough for me to get there quickly. <laughs> so, where, so where are the classes held? Right now, we have our 101 and our 201 classes in Bryan, Texas. And then I do the 301 at Hidden Falls. Oh, okay. And every. So every class that we do is not, like I said, not just a follow me. It's educational with recovery type scenarios. If they happen naturally, they happen. If they don't, I'll build them in and they're going to be representative of what you will find out on the trail. So when you run into an issue, you don't get all excited. You go, oh, okay, I've, I've seen something like this and know what to do. Right. So uh, what is, uh, I don't know if there's just one price for the classes, but can you give me an idea of the different prices for the classes? Absolutely. We have uh, three different sets of class uh, prices right now that are only good to the end of this year, which is 149 for the 101, the 201 is 189, and the 301 is 199. And what I would suggest, though, is for your listeners out there now, we offer vouchers for these classes. The prices will go up at the first of the year, but we will honor our class vouchers for the full amount. Uh, so when they go up by about 30 bucks, uh, if you buy the voucher today, it's good for a year, and it will cover the cost of the class plus the increase. All right. So um, how you, you, you say only eight people uh, per class. Uh, is that eight, I'm sorry, is that eight Jeeps or eight people? Could you like uh, bring a spouse or a friend so that they could uh, learn eight. at the same time or, or is it price per person? Oh, we encourage it. It's per driver. So if it's one vehicle and you have five people with you in that vehicle, you pay one price. Okay. And they, we encourage them to get out and ask the questions because when your partner understands what's happening and why you need new tires and they can see it they're more apt to support you and say yes let's get those tires that lift that upgrade i'm behind it (laughs) i love that so this is also a good way to get jeep parts is what you're saying (laughs) that's a great that's a great sales tool (laughs) absolutely Uh, (laughs) so now we have a lot of fun and encourage everybody to come along so if they wanted to get a voucher or maybe uh, schedule something before the end of the year, they would just go to offroading101.com and uh, go there to the store on that, uh, that webpage. Is that how that would work? They can go to the store or they can take a look at our uh, calendar where we have things scheduled from now to the end of the year. I don't have anything starting after January at this point, uh, but they can per- either purchase a voucher straight, straight from the store or they can find a class that they're looking for and sign up straight from there. 
All right. How would somebody know? I mean, if it's a if it's a Jeep and has a solid front axle, I'm sure that that uh, that's a that's a, a fine one to use. But how would somebody know that the vehicle they have is uh, would be one that, that they could bring out and learn in? Would they need to contact somebody, or is there a list or something? They can contact me directly, either on the website via email or by phone. That's up there. I'm happy to answer those questions. But again, all of our classes we have designed for a stock four by four vehicle. All right. Now the Subaru's a bit lower than than expected, so those would have a little bit more difficulty. But they also, the, especially 101 class, it doesn't matter a whole lot because they're going to gain so much knowledge out of it that even though they might not be able to do one of the obstacles, they'll understand what they can and can't do. Right. So um, four -wheel, it has to be a four-wheel drive vehicle, and it really doesn't matter. Uh, you guys will, will uh, change it around so that it will fit that four-wheel drive vehicle. That sounds great. So um, yes. if, uh, is the website the best place to go for uh, information on the classes? And uh, do you have videos maybe online? Well, actually, listen, let me just ask you for the, the social media stuff. Uh, how, would the, uh, how would the people go and find, uh, uh, find you on social media? Uh, offroading101.com is the main website where you sign up for the classes and get the information about the classes. Uh, we're mostly operating off of Facebook. So if you go to Facebook slash group slash offroading101, every class that we have, we take pictures and video, and it's a minimum of 150 pictures per class that we take, and they're all posted up on the website. We do have Instagram and TikTok that I'm just now starting up. So if you look for Off-Roading 101 Todd out there, you'll find me. So uh, if somebody's just not quite sure they want to do this, is there a good way for, for per people to just call and talk and, and maybe get reassured that, you know, their vehicle and their personality is going to be the, <laughs> the one that's teachable? Is there, should they also like call or email you? Absolutely. I encourage that because it's, I understand that apprehension when you want to go and do this stuff, but you don't want to damage your rig. Yeah, that is my goal is not to cause any damages or scratches on any of the rigs while showing you what you can do. And I will build that confidence up. Excellent. Well, uh, there you go, folks. You, you've learned that prices are going up in January. So you, if you want to go out and do this, uh, go over there and get you a voucher now so that you can be paying the, uh, the lower prices. It is a, uh, a Texas area type event, although you could travel from anywhere you want, I'm sure, and uh, they'll still teach you. But uh, Central Texas, uh, Bryan, Texas, uh, only about an hour or so here from, uh, from me in Houston. And uh, so if you're, if you're a Texas resident, especially uh, uh, Central or uh, Southeast Texas or even down in, into uh, South Texas, it's not a far drive, and it sounds like to me it would be a great uh, thing to do. And, and Todd, I'm planning on getting out there and uh, taking your 101 class uh, in the uh, 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator. So uh, we'll be, uh, I'll be contacting, uh, contacting you to get uh, set up for that here in the, uh, in the near future. Hell, maybe in December. Uh, it's fun getting out and driving around. And we'll be sure and tell the audience uh, the, when we're going to go in case, you know, you want to try to schedule at the same time and uh, love to, to meet listeners out there. So um, oh, we'd love yeah, that would be great. And uh, the Hidden Falls thing, if you've never been to Hidden Falls, what a beautiful place. It's a great off-road park, all kinds of off-road wheeling uh, there. So uh, I, I would recommend uh, taking multiple classes from Todd. This sounds like it's going to be fun, and I, I hopefully I'm going to get to see that firsthand. Todd, I want to thank you a lot for being with us here tonight. And uh, we had a little problems getting Skype to go uh, at, at first, but we, we worked it out and we got an interview. And uh, we need to have you on uh, again real soon because I'm sure there's a lot more we could talk about. Uh, yeah, I could talk for days on this <laughs> stuff because it's something <laughs> I really enjoy. It, and I've got stories and every learning experience that's out there. <laughs> well, thanks very much again. And uh, we'll, uh, hopefully I'll be uh, seeing you again real soon. I look forward to it, Tony. Thank you very much. And for your listeners, I look forward to uh, seeing you all. So I'll see you real soon. Big thanks again out to Todd Bacon for, one, having such an awesome last oh, name. But, yes. of course, coming on to the show to talk about Off-Roading 101. You know, Tony, there's something that we've always said here on the show, uh, something that we provide to everybody, a little something we like to call infotainment. 
Uh, but Todd has uh, sort of developed his own terminology, edutainment. And, and I kind of like that because it, it was very synergistic with, with uh, how we do things over here. Yep. So it seems like Todd is, is definitely cut from the same kind of cloth as we are, at least. Uh, and Tony attended the Off-Roading 101 class this past Saturday. We're going to be hearing more about that in a future episode to hear about exactly how the class went and Tony's uh, perception of of, uh, uh, of Todd's uh, uh, curriculum and, and how he teaches and, and all that sort of stuff. It'll be a really cool breakdown. We'll see how it goes. And of course, if you have an idea for a guest or if you work in the off-road industry, maybe you know somebody who does. Or maybe you yourself would just like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Well, all you got to do is go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Who knows? It could be you. I'll just mention real quick. uh, One of the things that I thought was pretty funny and and the whole group thought it was funny uh, whenever uh, Todd would come up with uh, something he was showing us, I would lean out the window and say in my best Ed, Ed McMahon voice, I did not know that. After 27 <laughs> I times, I was asked to leave. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> hey, coming up next week, Luke Connor of Steinjager. Steinjager. It was interesting how he explained how they came up with that name. It's, it's some, that's the... If nothing else, that's the part you want to hear in the uh, you know, in the a, interview. A beer Stein, you know, yep. and they pulled a, a Jaeger. Jaeger. Yep. Uh, yeah, but it's I, not I officially it. a word, but that makes it easy to, you know, get a domain name. Uh, and the, the domain is steinjager.com, S-T-I-N-J-A-G-E-R.com. Check them out. They got a lot of great Jeep parts there. And, really uh, cool stuff. And, yep. and these are the people that uh, bought Ace, uh, not Ace Hardware, but uh, the, uh, the Ace uh, off-road uh, company. Yes, and it will be next week. Interviews are on our Monday episodes. So, Tony, do we, we've got several upcoming guest interviews, don't we? Hey, thanks to Chris over at 7slats.com. Uh, he has uh, been volunteering to pester the holy shit out of people. We're getting a <laughs> lot of people signing up for interviews. <laughs> and, I'm, and it's really cutting into my nap time. So, oh no, <laughs> Greg. Greg Anderson. And this is this is a great one. I've been wanting to get Greg for years, and I don't know how how Chris just did it. Probably the bug in the shit out of people. Uh, Greg Henderson, unofficial use only on episode uh, five forty six. Now, Greg Henderson, you may not know that name or even the unofficial use only because he he kind of has a low profile, but it, it none of the stuff he does is low profile. Specifically, he built the Quadratech YJL. Uh, build that we talked to talked to Ted about a few episodes back, uh, and uh, spoke with uh, Bob, two cheap Jeep guys, one of our Zoom people uh, at uh, SEMA, and actually Bob has a YouTube channel, uh, two uh, cheap Jeep guys, and you can see that interview uh, that he did with uh, with Greg on the SEMA floor, and and actually I think uh, Bob had a lot to do with some of these interviews that we're getting to uh, when he was out at SEMA, he was pestering the shit out of people about. Uh, being uh, a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. So thank you uh, to both Chris and uh, Bob. And in uh, on episode 549, we will have uh, Steve uh, Sasaki. Sasaki. Sasaki uh, of Power Tank. And oh my God, both the Greg Henderson and the, the Steve Sasaki uh, interview were absolutely a blast. And they were an hour long, both of them. Oh my. So bring a sack lunch uh, for those uh, listening to those interviews on those episodes. I had so much fun talking to both those guys. And, and after talking to Steve, I understand the power tank uh, idea a lot better. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not as negative as I was uh, on, the, on the power tanks. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, and, and, and Steve, when I talk about it, is the price. That's the only thing that gets me. But, sure. you know, if you... If it's- you it's worth it. Yeah, if you if you want to be able to air up in uh, negative 40, 45 seconds, uh, it, it does it before you need it. Uh, so, no, I mean, it, it, it does air up very quickly. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. And this week, I, this one's going out to a very niche group of our listeners. Now, I know there's more of a more than a few of you out there, at least, who who store your Jeep, or maybe more than one Jeep, over the course of the year. Whether it's all year or just through the winter, there's always precautions and things to do to make sure that you are storing the vehicle properly. Now, one of the things that will kill the inside of a stored Jeep faster than Molotov cocktail is mold. 
and the best way to keep mold and mildew out of your Jeep is to completely remove all the interior. <laughs> well, since that's not something 99% yeah. of us are prepared to do to store a Jeep, well, the next best thing is to keep it dry. And there are a few tried and proven methods to go about this. Some use electricity, while others use a, a more passive uh, route using like a silicate type of substrate to absorb moisture. Now, a company called Damprid is one company that's been doing this since 1948. Damprid's key ingredient is actually a calcium chloride, a mineral mixture that absorbs water at a very prestigious rate. And their high-capacity moisture absorber bucket is what I've got a link here for uh, this week. And it attracts and traps excess moisture, eliminating musty orders, uh, odors from damp areas. The high-capacity design features a unique moisture lock spill resistor technology with a sealed safety cover for a mess-free solution. Now, although this large bucket of moisture-absorbing goodness is ideal for larger spaces like basements, garages, and things like that, this is also perfect for the inside of a Jeep, too. Fast, easy, and effective in spaces up to 1,000 square feet, so you know it's going to do wonders in the airspace of your Jeep's cabin. Each of the two four-pound high-capacity buckets last up to six months, depending on temperature and humidity levels. So if you are storing a Jeep uh, and you are worried about uh, moisture of any level, getting in there and getting into the seats, getting into the dash, getting into the carpet, or whatever you have in there, Let's get rid of all that moisture. Let's keep that Jeep free and uh, and and uh, rust free and all that sort of stuff, mold free especially. And the link that I uh, that I've got set up for these these four gallon buckets, and you get two of these four pound buckets. I should say not four gallon. Two. Uh, it's a two pack of four pound buckets each, high capacity. They work for six months, and they're the fragrance free version of it. It's a very hard to find formula from Damprid. Oftentimes, you'll find a lot of these, uh, they have a, a, a fragrance to them. Fragrance-free is the way to go. You don't need your yeah, Jeep like, like six bottles of spilt perfume. No, so, thank yeah, you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this is the way to go, folks. So uh, I'm trying to hook you up. I'm trying to do you a solid uh, two-pack of four-pound high-capacity buckets, a damp rid moisture absorber, and it's only $28 and includes free shipping. How can you not go wrong? Or how can you go wrong using this? Another <laughs> another thing you could have said uh, would be the, about the perfume was uh, or uh, smelling like uh, the elder Mrs. Smith walking into church on Sunday, or so the, or getting on the elevator uh, of any woman getting on the elevator at work. You remember when we used to go to work? Yeah. Oh uh, uh, yeah. The, the company I used to, I used to work for, uh, you know, uh, before COVID hit. Uh, when the when we moved buildings uh, about halfway through the fifteen years that I was there. Um, we found in one of the drawers in one of the offices uh, a little bottle of perfume. And the, the last company that was in there, I think they left at, in the year 1991 or something like that. And the building had been okay. vacant more or less <laughs> since then. So I'll give you an idea of the, the, the kind of perfume from the generation that it, that it was from. Um, and, and so this bottle of perfume got passed around several people's desks. Uh, it eventually <laughs> ended up having to get sealed and, and put away for forever. Uh, not thrown away because we, we it would come back or, or something. Yeah. It was the, the bad penny that always comes back. But th <laughs> there was a there was a, a running joke, and and it was always who has the balls to spray this perfume, because even one spritz on any kind of a soft material whatsoever would stink up the entire office for a week. I oh. mean, it was bad. I don't know if That's the age good. of it of this of this perfume sitting in a be. desk for a decade and a half or more yeah, uh, sure. you know, uh, concentrated it and, and, and mutated it into something else. I have no idea, but we've never smelt had never smelt anything as strong <laughs> and as caustic a, a, as this. Mind you, this is perfume meant to be sprayed on human skin. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that sort of thing, you know, um, but, you know, somebody would piss somebody else off. They'd go and, and grab this little bottle spray of perfume, it. <laughs> spray it on the back of their chair, and everybody would get pissed off. Oh, but the back of the chair is a great she idea. was at that desk the Perfect. most. Oh, so, just her. So another great marketing idea. Uh, we'd have to do a lot of uh, 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 prodigious animal testing. Uh, burnt popcorn or uh, microwave fish would be two great <laughs> oh, perfumes. Oh, no, microwave fish. That, that's, that's the, that's, that's the no-no. Do you know, uh, any, especially... Standing, standing rule. Especially in all-male environments. The, 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 yes. You were predominantly all-male at your, your oh, former, yes. former job. Yes. <laughs> it 100%. would be a huge seller. Uh, you know, we, we probably would even make national news, get on home, home, Homeland Security, 
Not because it was dangerous, but just because we were assholes. <laughs> we'd, be de- we'd be deemed uh, domestic uh, terrorists. Yes, That's yeah. what it, how dare you weaponize this shit? Oh, and I got and I got to tell you, uh, if you guys go to uh, JeepTalkShow.com and look at the show notes, you'll see what I'm talking about. But whenever I saw the this uh, this tub of uh, absorber that you uh, were ta- just talking about. Uh, maybe it's because uh, Thanksgiving just happened, but I was thinking this was going to be a, a story about Cool Whip. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> yeah. gosh. What can you use Cool Whip in your Jeep? You know, so <laughs> it's totally different. You want to bring the lustrous back of, of your fender flares? Use Cool Whip. Of your love life, yeah. <laughs> well, now that you must have the best water absorption product for the storage of your own Jeep, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to the JeepTalkShow.com website and look for the link in the show notes for episode 540. Well, Jeeper, don't forget about our newsletter. It's very easy to sign up for it, chock full of all kinds of great information and the information you need to join in on the show. You want to become a part of the Jeep Talk Show? Want to get in on the next Campfireside Chat? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're going to find a link to click and sign up for that newsletter. It's very easy to click and sign up for. And, uh, and like I said, chock full of great information and how you can actually join in on the show don't worry it's just as easy to unsubscribe from the newsletter as it is to subscribe that's it for the show for this week my fellow jeeper until next week be sure to leave us some weird random voicemail hey that's how we found nikki g after all right and as always thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded jeep podcast the Jeep Talk Show. We won't call you back asking about your Jeep's extended warranty. It's more likely going to be the dulcet sounds of Tony's heavy breathing. <laughs> Quick question. Do you guys have uh, turkey for Christmas? I know Josh doesn't. No. Mm-hmm. no Not usually. We do. <laughs> Coming more in December. Oh, but that's not why you asked, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> It would have been helpful if you guys had lied and said yes. I knew Josh was. Josh always tells the truth. <laughs> here, here I got sucked in thinking it was a legitimate question. So. Oh, it was not. You should know better. It was a question mark at the end. It was legit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should have looked for the smirk on your face is what I should have done. <laughs> Podcasting since 2010.